when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Assassin's Creed Origins isn't a full reboot of the long-running series, but because it's set before the Assassins and Templars, it's about as close as you can get without wiping the slate clean. Thing is, that's exactly what Ubisoft should have done. It's all dead weight. Those are the words, of course, of Patrick Klepek in a piece he wrote today about Assassin's Creed would be better would be a better series without the sci-fi garbage. I am your host, Danielle Riendo. This is Waypoint Radio, and today we're going to be talking about sci-fi garbage and uh, Assassin's Creed as well. You've already heard some woo-woo in the background there from Patrick. How are you doing today, Patrick? I don't even know why we have to have a discussion. I feel like uh, my uh, article is an open and shut case. Uh, it oh. is uh, inarguable. I, I feel I, This is perfunctory. I'll have the discussion, but uh, <laughs> I feel like this is impugning my character that we even have to pretend that I haven't presented the most reasonable argument for getting rid of the garbage. Well, I mean, considering uh, how long we spent on Alien Alloys, I feel like we've got to we've got to really also mine this. You know, oh, we've got to also take a look at this. I'm not going to pretend you know? that Waypoint. Uh, you know, we say, "Oh, it's, we're in it, it's social justice." No, we're about garbage. We're just about like wallowing <laughs> in fucking garbage. So when the video games yeah. are slow, th- here's what I'm for: wallowing in garbage. So uh, yes. we're here. It's 2018. It's also Fully gonna be, agreed. It's also going to be garbage like 2017 and 2016. <laughs> Pretty much. Also agreed. And here, perhaps, to argue a different case, because, you know, we're here to wallow in garbage, and we're here to do it right. So we also have a counterpoint from a special guest and frequent Waypoint contributor, Cameron Kunzelman. Cameron, how are, how are you today? Are you, are you feeling the sci-fi garbage today? Feeling like a garbage man today. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like oh, I'm coming to clean up these streets. Oh, Get rid of this trash, Patrick Mm. Oh, Mm. fighting Mm. words right there, fighting Mm. words. So I'm sure sure Garbage Man is one of the important uh, side characters from the (laughs) Assassin's Creed, the movie tie-in novel that you also have to understand in order to finally fit all the pieces together. Okay, Cameron, Mm -hmm. I'm... Played by Jeremy Irons. Cameron, you, you tweeted... Something just I don't want to, I don't even want to talk about the thesis of my piece right now because you need to you need to clear something up for me. You yeah. you you mentioned in a tweet talking about how to better understand where AC Origins fits into the larger meta narrative of Assassin's Creed by saying that you actually had to read something that that uh, argue, that like Assassin's Creed as a series acknowledges that the Assassin's Creed movie, which I watched a couple of months ago, and it is unbelievable garbage. Like I'm sorry, it's so bad. It's, it's so. I, I'm actually I apologize to the word garbage that I used to describe the sci-fi <laughs> trappings of the series because the movie is actual garbage. So are you arguing that there is like fiction in Origins that is saying that what happens in that movie is also canonical? Is that true? Oh, Yes, a million oh, percent. Oh, so if you, explain, explain, please. Um, uh, what is the name of the uh, contemporary uh, character in there? Um, in the movie? The, Don't ask me no, to no. remember details. In Origins, the, the woman who's like delving through oh, Bayek's memories. Oh, is it like Lauren or something? I don't know. It does. It's, I don't the think fact it's that, Lauren. The fact that neither of us can remember maybe says everything. Hassan yes, the, is her last name, I believe. The new, the new, the new Desmond. It seems like. Yes. New Desmond. Desmond two Desmond 2.0. Um, in between the when when you kind of bump forward to the future, uh, you know you can do the same things you used to be able to do as Desmond, which is walk and look at like four different things, <laughs> and then uh, check your email, right? Okay. And so that's where like a huge amount of the Abstergo stuff uh, comes through in that game. And there are several different like files that you can look at on her uh, on her laptop, and one oh, of it's them Layla. is Layla. I'm sorry, I Layla. found it. 
You weren't too far. At off. least I got an L. So like, like that's, that's yeah. as far. That's as far as what's cemented <laughs> into my brain was like an L name. Mm. There you go. But Sorry, go ahead, Cameron. No, no, no. It's I'm glad that we. I'm glad we got it. Um, but, um, but yeah. So if you read through these emails, there's you know because she is a uh animus researcher kind of thing that's that's kind of the plot that's going on with her and there is an explicit discussion from the assassin's creed movie i don't want to spoil this movie for people who might be very invested in watching it spoiler it's bad (laughs) more yeah it's not it's not very good um but uh but yeah it's a there's like a couple pieces one talks about the assassination uh, at the end of that movie, right, the kind of like big set piece assassination, and then there are several emails about the quote unquote better design of the giant 3D armature animus from the movie. <sighs> so, it, and then Clay, or no, not Clay. Clay is the, the from uh, Revelations, the the guy in the in the animus. But anyway, whatever the uh, uh, Michael Fassbender character, right. he's mentioned as well. I mean, uh, I guess that thing. I guess that makes sense because in the if you know Origins of the game that's made over like you know a three to five year period that uh, th- at one point in the development they said that movie's going to be a success and, <laughs> and then it wasn't because Ubisoft definitely positioned that movie as oh this is going to be a big tentpole part of like our uh, meta narrative going forward so I guess it makes sense that they would leave some yeah. uh, uh, sort of uh, reference that's funny though. Don't watch well, I mean, that the movie. movie took the place of a game last year, right? Pretty much. Like I, like, my, uh, so I have a, a, a friend and neighbor who is uh, he plays a decent amount of video games, but like, the series he loves is Assassin's Creed. Um, yeah. And so one night, like usually, like every Friday or Saturday, we all get together and we watch a movie. And he was like, "Yo, let's that, like Assassin's Creed was on like a ninety nine cent rental on iTunes," and I was like, "Okay, <laughs> finally, like let's just watch, let's just watch this. How bad can it be?" And like. He fell asleep through the movie. My wife fell asleep through the movie. I had to watch it all the way through. I had to see it through to the end. By yourself at that point. Well, I paid a dollar. Like, I've watched things for worse, you know? Like, <laughs> sure, sure. Uh, and uh, uh, it's, yeah, it's... It, it, actually, maybe I should flip this around. It's actually remarkable how bad it is. Like, like because it, it's not... It, it's made with, like, a, a, like a competent director uh, who had, like, done, like, an adaptation of... Some Shakespearean something like like with Fassbender and who's the actress who's in it who's like also like uh, Marion Cotillard yeah like like oh, these yeah, are yeah she's pretty good fucking legit yeah. like they tried to make they tried to say like look we know these movies are bad or these games are bad the stories suck but like we'll just kind of eke out a a good movie out of it and like nah like they didn't it's it's bad anyway sorry That's I didn't shocking I didn't mean yeah. to have a ten minute tangent on AC. Uh, the movie uh but uh yeah so the piece i wrote uh was basically argues i am someone that is for generally for sort of like convoluted bullshit mythology like i'm a you know x-files buff like i'm i will defend even some of the worst parts of lost um in in many cases uh what about hurley eating all that mayonnaise (laughs) exactly exactly. you're gonna defend Uh, that Let's talk about the Hurley bird. You know, if you really want to go down some <laughs> rabbit holes, search Google search the Hurley bird. I'm not going to explain it here. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, often because, so, you know, I guess side thing. I will say like for Lost, for example, it's convoluted mythology was often uh, used at, like in service of something. Even if it didn't quite stick the landing, like it was there in service of something that I thought was worthwhile. X-Files up until the, the resolution of Mulder's sister like the central arc of um x-files the core of why they developed that show like has like a it's convoluted mythology is in service of something that it loses the plot on once they sort of resolve the central mystery and they have to go on for like another six seasons um (laughs) assassin's creed was doing something similar up until roughly the end of assassin's creed 2 arguably into brotherhood a little bit um and for me, I just thought that the moment uh, uh, Patrice, whose last name I cannot pronounce and I don't want to butcher it, but the series creator uh, uh, sort of behind Assassin's Creed who left in the middle of development of Brotherhood, um, it just seemed like Ubisoft sort of lost the plot at that point. And that rather like than putting in 
Like, I, I'm not going to sit here and argue that the uh, the end of Assassin's Creed 2, in which, like, the uh, revelation of a uh, first civilization and, like, these godlike beings who can then talk to the player, uh, fourth-walling, and then are, is also talking to Ezio. Like, it's a lot of convoluted sci-fi bullshit, but stuff that I thought was really... Like, it, it found a balance in a way that I really enjoyed. Like, it was both... It was the kind of self-serious sci-fi bullshit that, like, gets me really excited in the same way that, like, Lost worked for me. But, like... In this, yeah. in the since then, it just I never it never seemed like Ubisoft knew what to do with the pieces they had, and instead they just kind of kept throwing the pieces at the wall, and none of it was really sticking for me, which I thought was evidenced both by the ending of Assassin's Creed Three, which is just like them throwing up their hands and going, I don't know, like I, let's can we <laughs> please just stop it? Like they basically were begging for a way out and just wrote an ending so they could move on. And then Origins, which like is set lar- you know, before the formal uh, uh, creation of the Assassins and the Templars, uh, basically says like, ah, eh, like how can we run away from all this stuff as much as possible? And then there are like bits of it, there are pieces of it, but by and large, like like I actually didn't find a bunch of the optional stuff that I have since read about that is in Assassin's Creed Origins uh, that references some of the sort uh, you know first civilization and the sci-fi machinations that are, are going on in the larger meta narrative. Uh, and it just seems like Origins runs away from it because it's like ah, we didn't know what to do with this anymore, so we're just gonna kind of pretend it's it's not there, and so. I uh, propose that actually, because Ubisoft has largely demonstrated they don't know what to do with this sort of meta narrative at this point, that they would be better serviced by just getting rid of it and focusing on sort of the historical narrative part of the series, which, at least for me, has become the appeal of those games as I've sort of lost the plot on the through line for the meta narrative stuff. But, uh, Daniel, I don't know how much you have played these games. I know, Cameron, you have <laughs> strong feelings about these games and the meta narrative, but. Uh, that is where I yeah, came. Cameron, I'm gonna. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. No, Cameron, I'm, done. I'm gonna I'm let done. you go. I'm done. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna I'm let done. you go because I my my history with the series is spotty. I have kind of played a few of them, and uh, you know, yeah. I'll be clear. I love sci-fi bullshit. Like I actively love it. I I love a lot of lore. I love a lot of world building. I love a lot of you know ridiculous convoluted plot stuff. But I I, I know that sometimes you got to quit while you're ahead, and it does not sound like they did that. With this series, however, Cameron, I know you've got strong opinions. I'm going to let you you take your mall thoughts and do it up. I'm going to mm-hmm, let you do mm-hmm. that. <laughs> okay, I, I I don't know if the viewers have the or the listeners have the, uh, the you know. I just realized that thoughts, they didn't. But... <laughs> we had a conversation prior to this that Cameron spent some time in a mall today uh, and was tweeting about Assassin's Creed from a mall. So I apologize for the inside joke, uh, but now you know where it's from. Mm-hmm. No, no, uh, we're now we're all know. in the know. I mean, I don't think Patrick. I don't think you're wrong, right? Like in in a general sense, I think that there's a pretty clear demarcation point between, uh, or there's a periodization maybe between Assassin's Creed One and then uh, Assassin's Creed Three, right? That ending of Assassin's Creed Three, where this meta plot of a solar flare. <laughs> that is going to wipe out all of humanity, much like what happened to the first civilization, uh, can either uh, be prevented by by Desmond, or it can happen and I guess wipe out all of civilization. Um, you know, effects unknown. Like I think that's right, and I think that that it gets a little bit goofy. I also feel like. If you're invested in that meta plot from Assassin's Creed 1 through uh, two Brotherhood revelations and then three, it, it makes up a like a really interesting and good plot arc. Like I think that there is a strong narrative arc there, and 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 kind of like you were saying, the the end of Assassin's Creed 2 is really where that kicks in, right? Where uh, the the first civilization uh person i don't remember which one it is at that point is it uh oh it's uh, so it's uh minerva minerva is the end of two and then Uh. juno is the the one that's introduced in three and then there's the there's a third there's a guy who uh uh jupiter jupiter I think Jupiter yeah. might be it that is maybe referenced in some of. I like started going down some wiki holes and it was like, yeah, of course. So, so Revelations is the one I didn't play, 
Uh, mm-hmm. I don't. I didn't play Rogue either, but Rogue was a side one. But like Revelations is like one of the main ones. I didn't like. I was like, I'm done with Ezio. Like as much as like old Ezio was interesting to me, is like I just I'm I'm off this train for for a Fair little enough. while. Um, yeah. Oh, so this is. The, so this maybe is is a piece that that makes it all come together for me. Revelations. I, I've been very outspoken in the past about Assassin's Creed Revelations being the best game in the series. I think really. It is, I think I think huh. it's very very good, but mostly because it is a uh, a game that that plugs in a lot of holes in various mm. places. So Revelations. Um, so so well, I guess I'll say Assassin's Creed Two. Right, has this big moment where Minerva is talking to Desmond. And not talking to Ezio, right? Like right. looking dead into the camera of the game and talking to the player, but but really is talking to Desmond, operating the Animus. And at that point, you're like, well, what would cause that to happen, right? Like, what would that be? And then through Brotherhood and Revelations, and then three, we get this kind of plot line that suggests that the first civilization's whole existence, like they knew that their civilization was coming to an end, both from internal and external pressure, the internal stuff being like their creations of humans, their, their creation of humans is like a slave race that then humans uh, did not care for, and then they break out. That's yeah, because that they, they, yeah, they were dealing with like the solar flare uh, exactly. sort of impending, and then also basically a like a, a war with like the, the, the enslaved uh, human population. Yeah, and that's like the Adam and Eve stuff where you find all the apples of Eden and all the oh, artwork and stuff okay. in Assassin's Creed 2. Yes. Um, so there's there's that part. But then you find out that like what the first civilization did was dedicate their their scientific minds to manipulating probability down through time. Right? So, so Ezio showing up beneath the Vatican... <laughs> Right, in this incre- after he beats the Pope to death. Oh, in, in oh this God, game. that's right. Oh, I right. Mean, the Are, ending of Assassin's Creed Two is like one of the like top ten like finales to a video game of all time. Like, it oh, hundred percent. Like maybe five, maybe top five. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's it's very strong. Um, but right, so 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 Ezio is there not because Ezio needs to be there. Right. Or because the Apple of Eden is important. Ezio is there because it's important for Minerva, who is in that vault, to be able to speak to Desmond while Desmond is possessing Ezio in the memory. Like, right. it, and that's like, like expanding brain meme shit, right? Like, <laughs> it's just blowing up. And like, I, I really love that. So, so that's, that's one side of it. Like, I think that that big science fiction bullshit is very cool conceptually. Okay, so that's kind of one plank of, of my defense, despite how big and weird it gets. Like, that core idea of thinking through the implications of timelines and what the Animus is actually having you do, which is live through the genetic memories of, of your ancestors. Okay, mm-hmm. so that's one. Uh, the other thing that I really like in, uh, in this has the most to do with Revelations is that Revelations is kind of a side game in which Desmond is trapped inside the Animus with Clay, who is the subject that was before Desmond and who is the person who was leaving all those weird clues for Desmond right. uh, <laughs> during the first first two games, first three games. Those really. were like the, the, the puzzles you could, the optional puzzle mm. objectives you could solve, right? Yeah, exactly. Correctly. Yeah. Yeah, you had to, like so sh- Clay shift is the around one some puzzle pieces, that. and then you would get like some mysterious voiceover. And if you did all mm-hmm. of them, then you got like a. I think that's like how you got like the original Adam and Eve cutscene, right? Was by yeah. uh, solving all those in two or something. Finding like that. every last one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, I did that. Oh yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah, Perfect. I was. I, um, oh, I was, but, yeah, I was obsessed with two in Brotherhood. But but yeah, so that that's where you saw that original cutscene and them like jumping through the window and right. all of that. But so what happens in Revelations is you get it, it's like almost little side stories. So part of it is is Ezio traveling to Turkey um, and kind of dealing with Turkish court politics, which is quite interesting. And then the other part is going back to Altair and playing the very end of Altair's um, uh, the existence of his assassins um, enclave that he kind of inherits slash takes over at the end of. Uh, the first Assassin's Creed game, and in in within that, it's this thing about responsibility, and it, for both of these kind of characters at the end of their life, like what what do the assassins accomplish 
And what does it, an individual life matter, both within the Assassins versus Templars plot and then within the broader plot of them just being vehicles for changing things in the future? Like, they are a vehicle for Desmond to experience life through so that he can do stuff to prevent the solar flare in 2000 and whenever. Right. Whenever Assassin's Creed 3 ends. Right. 2000XX. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and it's actually, like, not the year that the game came out. I think it might still be 2008 or 2009. Oh, okay. That's even better. Oh, no. It might be the uh, uh, 2012, because with the okay. end of the world prophecy stuff and all oh of that. my god i didn't realize it was tied into that too yeah that's oh like perfect. every conspiracy that's ever been floated is true in the assassin's creed universe <laughs> um but 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 that like all of those so when you're talking about lost patrick and you're talking about like you appreciate all the pieces even when they don't stick the landing i feel like assassin's creed like that's what the franchise is it's setting up some huge narrative pieces that that if you're if you're careful if if you care to play every game in the franchise which is like a, a i think a hard sell i think it really interweaves together in a really profound and rewarding way but if you're just in it to like do assassins in, in history i think that uh, i think it's less rewarding well i guess that's that's you know uh like i buy that as clearly as someone that has uh like invest like not invested more but i guess invested more but like seen more of like the sort of surrounding narrative that kind of plugs in those holes i guess like what I've grown frustrated with is someone that like largely just plays sort of like the primary entries in the franchise, like hasn't invested much in sort of the outside material or sort of like filling in those gaps through reading, you know, wikis and things like that. It, it, in that version of playing the games, especially over the, the periods of time that it's taken place, like it feels disconnected and in a way that doesn't give me the sense that they actually know where, they're going and that but like plugging it in through like novels and inside things it, it almost feels like they're saying like ah like okay like we're not really sure where this is going like here but here's some interesting stories like i just the, the main thrust of it just seems like i'm not like i don't i don't know i'm just i've just grown tired of it in a way that i would that's why you know I, I made that argument at the end was just like just get rid of it like just move on like especially as an origins like it's just so bizarre because there's no context for any of it like if you origin was your first version of assassin's creed like when when a guy just starts waving around like a magical apple and like casting like weird illusions it's like at no point is the game like sit down and go like so here's the thing here's what's going on in this world like it presumes a lot about the player in a in a context that i don't know if necessarily works for the game and what it's presenting like it as sort of like a soft reboot of like reintroducing people into what it is like i don't know if it necessarily executes on that but I'm curious uh, uh, for for you, Danielle, like as someone that is into like a lot of like as self-professed sci-fi bullshit. Like, oh like, yeah, what are what are worlds that you know similar like where you can see like you know like I bet Cameron and I could go on for like another like 20 minutes about this. But like for you, <laughs> like what is the one that you could go on for like another 20 minutes about like what are the worlds that like even when they kind of go off the rails like the one that you've sort of like fallen down the rabbit hole on because of one reason or another. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, this is, this is just sort of something that appeals to me in general. I really like to get obsessed with worlds. Like, uh, I guess one example in a game of course is like how many hours I spent in alien isolation, looking at like every poster and every magazine and every like, last art asset for details about that world about that you know sort of dying dystopia on a spaceship it was just absolute you know catnip for an alien fan right there was just tons and tons and tons of that stuff in that game i'm i'm obsessed right now with uh you know my current trash can eclair as uh, as we call them especially on idle weekend uh, as a show called dark matter which is like a not great sci-fi series uh that i adore what is it and about? i want to know dark matter Okay, dark matter. Let me let me sell you on this. I don't know. Mm. I don't know if you like like kind of trashy sci-fi. I know you like mythology based, like X Files style. Look, I style watch sci-fi. horror movies. By definition, I am, yeah. I am into right. trash. I like circle like, horror movies are like looking through the trash for like the little nuggets of, <laughs> of like insight <laughs> and gold because most of it is trash. Good. So believe Good. me, you don't have to sell me on the trash part. All right, perfect, perfect. We're we're gonna get along in this then. All right, Dark Matter is like a kind of low budget Canadian sci fi uh, TV series about a a ship of people who wake up 
and their memories are erased and they have to figure out who they are. And like in the pilot, they find out that they were like mercenaries hired to do all sorts of nasty shit. But because they don't remember why they're bad people, they want to try to be good people. And it's a whole show about that. And it's wonderful. And it is just trope upon trope upon trope. But I am eating it up. Like it's like delicious candy and I cannot stop eating it. Um, there's just something really satisfying about particular sci-fi worlds that have like way too much detail. Something that I love in this, and I don't know how you both feel about this, but when a technology is introduced and they like go out of their minds trying to explain it, there is a, a plot thread in this, in this show. And they go back to it a couple of times where a method of travel has been, uh, sort of devised. It's like a futuristic universe, you know, corporations rule everything, of course, and the police are corrupt. It's actually kind of a, a little bit of a, has a little bit of a nice progressive leftist bent to it, even though it's like a trashy sci-fi show. So, you know, of course I'm eating it up. But this technology was invented where your uh, your body is like scanned and they do a full genetic scan of you. They use that information to make a clone of yourself at any of like 1,000 planets or whatever the number is. Uh, you Your clone goes to that planet for three days, for 72 hours, uh, experiences whatever they experience on vacation or for whatever purpose. And then the clone is dissolved and the memories are uploaded to your brain back home. So it's dissolved? like you went there. What do you, you mean did it's this. dissolved? What is, how, did, how does it's clone... recycled matter? They don't go into that. I'm sure that'll be like a future. <laughs> <laughs> that'll be like a future thing, right? It's like um, an easy but... thing to gloss over is like what happens to this fucking clone? Oh, it gets dissolved. Well, that could mean a lot of different things. <laughs> Yeah, there's a few games about that, uh, that uh, particular swapper. It's a little bit like that, probably. Um, but yeah, like, they go into this so much. There is a commercial that one of the, you know, main characters views, like, while he's waiting for the doctor's office or something about this. And then later on, in a later episode, he actually does it, and then they he watches, like, a different commercial about it. And then later on in that episode, other characters, like, as a as a point of exposition, talk about this technology. So there's no no way you can get lost here, right? Every, every piece of this technology has been laid out for you narratively. And I am just a sucker for that stuff. I just love that kind of world building where it's like, all right, somebody, you know, somebody drew a diagram in, in like the writer's room where like somebody didn't get it. Somebody had a brilliant idea. Somebody didn't get it. They drew out a diagram. They had a whole thing, uh, you know, just basically that nerds made this thing. Uh, it just makes me happy. I just love that kind of shit. It's, ugh, it's good. It's good stuff. I'm also the kind of kid who had, um, next generation, uh, blueprints up in her bedroom. Like I had the blueprints of, uh, the enterprise D uh, up in my bedroom. That's very good. So, yeah. Good shit. It's really good shit. I just love that kind of detail. It makes it a little more real to me, even though I know it's not actually real. It makes it feel real in a good way, and it makes it feel like, oh, I can actually, you know, put my brain in this sort of universe for a while. I can actually escape into this. I can have, you know, my clone go into this, and then my memories will come back. It's perfect. It works. Well, it's funny, uh, because uh, speaking of like my interest in horror films, is that I am always excited when I come across a horror franchise that has like more than 10 films in it or like let's say more than Ooh, six and yeah. the reason is like because i'm just genuinely curious how they keep the gambit going like i'm like <laughs> like world building ha like has to occur like they have to justify a sequel now often like their justification for that is like extremely loose but even for uh, the most monotonous of franchises, at certain points, they have to take some kind of risk with the premise or or the pretext for, for why it's occurring. Like, I mean, there's the, the cliche that if you make it to 10 movies, eventually you go to space, right? Like, like that happened to Jason. Uh, Leprechaun, Leprechaun went to space twice, didn't yeah. quite make it to 10 movies. I believe Leprechaun is at like seven or eight, uh, last I counted. Uh, Hellraiser, uh, definitely, is it 10 or is it nine uh, but that went to space at one point, like the, the, the lament configuration, the box from Hellraiser turns yeah. into a giant spaceship in no. one of the later ones. Oh yeah. Oh, it's good. It's very Oh, good. I need to see this. Oh my oh, God. The space one is extremely, extremely bad. Um, but it's extremely oh, good. good. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, and like, I, it's a similar sort of thing where like, I'm, 
I am uh, I am extremely attracted to like sort of, in some ways like the desperation to have to make another one of these things. And so when I, you know I, I I have never watched the full Halloween series like for reasons unknown. Uh, but I want to at some point because it's a very thin premise that apparently they stretched out to like eight or nine films and by by most accounts didn't really mix up a whole lot of the reason it happens over and over which in fact makes me more curious because the other ones are like well we're sending this leprechaun to like a bad part of the city and then we're sending him to space or like hellraiser is going to space or another one hellraiser pinhead gets uploaded to the internet like they just come up with fucking batshit crazy reasons like to justify making a sequel but i'm always super curious to find the the world building explanation for like well we got to make another one of these like here's what we came up with this time like in the friday the 13th like a series that is extremely repetitive like in one of them like it takes place in like all in someone's head like they they have actually imagined a whole friday the 13th episode in their head like which is actually kind of a fascinating premise for a bad movie it's not good but like on paper it's like well that's kind of like a clever way to think about how you would do another one of those so i that that is my personal attraction to like sort of these never-ending narratives because i'm always just fascinated by like what are you gonna like you should stop doing this you should just stop doing this but eh, like what if we did another one of them uh and so that's why i'm always excited when i'm like Oh, here's another one where there's like 13 movies. Like, all right, time to spend too much money watching a bunch of trash. <laughs> yeah, there is a really beautiful push and pull between the clear sign that somebody just put their hands up and was like, oh my God, whatever, let's get a paycheck. And then the the other side of it where it's like, if we're going to do this, we're going to go for it. And, and, and goes totally batshit, like completely goes for it, either in a performance or in some aspect of it or in the writing, like... I, I do love that, too. There's there's something kind of beautiful about that. Ugh. Cameron, I don't know where you fall on this particular thing or, or if there are aspects like that that you can that you can note that are that are like the sci fi bullshit that you like. That's I mean, it's thing. the Assassin's Creed franchise. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Whatever you read, you just you just tweeted about the, the fact that you read the novelization for Mortal Kombat, the movie, an adaptation oh, yeah. of an adaptation. Wait, yeah, I like- what? I like a good novelization. I like okay. a good. Uh, <laughs> I like reading the Baldur's Gate video game Hell novel yeah. adaptations. Does that exist? This this thing? Yes, they are notorious uh, oh. for killing like well loved characters <laughs> in the middle oh, of no. them that are like canonically not dead at the end of the first game. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's a it's real good. Oh God, is the thing? You know, this is probably a a. a not the best question, but is the thing that separates that sort of thing, like an official novelization uh, from fan fiction, is it, is it just the fact that it's endorsed, uh, you know, by whatever brand? Is it just the fact that it's sold in, in a bookstore or wherever fine, you know, books are sold? Is that the only thing that actually separates a work uh, from fan fiction? I mean, I guess so. I have no idea. Like, it just, it <laughs> seems like fan fiction to me. Like, things that happen in those books do not happen canonically, right? Yeah. Like, people do different things. They're, like, especially with the Mortal Kombat stuff and, like, basically any movie novelization, they're often based on the earliest versions of the screenplays. So, like, there's a novelization for the movie The Thing that, like, really takes a, a curve in the middle. There's one for Alien as well that that has. I've, like heard, the, I've heard the Alien one is like like famously fucking weird. Yeah, because it's based on like a version of the script that's not even close to the shooting script. Um wow. So so yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess they're they're just fan fiction that you have to pay like seven dollars for. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I mean, I'm also I'm very invested in in the Forgotten Realms Dungeons and Dragons official setting. Just oh. conceptually, I've read a lot of novels. <laughs> that are set in that world so like yeah i mean that's not science fiction that's that's fantasy bullshit but uh well that sounds like you're in for forgot your forgotten realms is like my uh like uh like puppet master or hellraiser it's like all right yes i know this is bad but you know what it's got that branding it's got mm-hmm. that it's that's good enough for me maybe i can find like like that's like how i explain that hellraiser five's all right because it's sort of like silent hill that's not a defense or an explanation. It's just what I tell myself for why I own that movie on DVD and Blu-ray. Get over it. Do you know what Spelljammer is, Patrick? No, that sounds or familiar, Daniel. though. 
Oh, Spelljammer? I'm not sure. What's I like it, though. Uh, it's a good name. This is We're really missing uh, Austin here. This yeah. is a real... Oh, no. He's going to hear this. To this. It's just someone sent this clip, computer. and he is just going to scream into a microphone. Like, maybe right now he's screaming into a microphone, and he doesn't know why. <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> basically like, what if uh, there was a high fantasy world, the Forgotten Realms, say, some sort of Lord of the Ringsy kind of fantasy, and wizards figured out how to make interplanetary spaceships or interdimensional spaceships what? and then they flew them around what yeah yeah it's rad what <laughs> they're like made Let's of wood <laughs> wait they're and, made of wood no yeah. oh it's awesome <laughs> no. it's like literally a boat that just flies like through the different planes a lot can happen in three years like a chatbot maybe your new best friend but what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. That is... Uh, I'm, okay. I'm not... Yeah. Fantasy's not <laughs> really beautiful. my thing, but that is that is like some fantasy sci-fi bullshit that I can... Uh, I can get on board with that. Well, I, when we were talking earlier uh, on Twitter, someone uh, mentioned... The uh, Doom tie-in novels, which I definitely read Knee Deep in the Dead, was definitely the title of one of those. Oh, boy. I I think there were three of them. And what made those fast, because I I loved uh, Doom 2, Hell on Earth was like uh, the the game that my dad bought with my, our first real computer. And uh, like I'd had exposure to video games through like the, the, the NES and stuff like that. But Doom 2 was like the first computer game that I ever played. And... So, like, through lack of a bit, like, you know, the difference between, like, you know, Patrick Klubbick, you know, 32-year-old Patrick Klubbick now and whatever, you know, uh, 11-year-old Patrick Klubbick then was that, like, I didn't have access to other worlds. And so I just became in, like, Doom was a good game. Like, it's fine. But that was not a not a game that pretended it was doing a lot of world building. But because it was a big franchise, the only way that you can merchandise a franchise is to world build on top of it regardless of whether like it justifies it in the first place and so the doom tie-in novels like give a name and a backstory to the unnamed doom marine in uh in in the doom series and i was what was his name i don't remember mr doom marine uh is the best i can larry give you. doom larry, oh larry god doom. you know what it probably was something uh terrible like that and i remember uh i think those i think those books had like sex in it and i was definitely like probably too young to be reading like a book uh like that they were like gross demon sex is I he having know. sex I with just, like the demons i, I want to say you know i want to say yes but i don't i don't remember i want to remember i just remember reading parts of those books and going i probably like i probably shouldn't i shouldn't be reading those i also remember having them in my backpack uh i would read them to and from middle school uh and I definitely got made fun of by a girl for having the Doom Time novel. Oh, and no. Can I tell you the name of this? Catherine! This, I remember I, her name. I'm not going to say her last name. I remember, I remember her, her name, but not Mr. Doom? I, yeah, well, getting made fun of for having the books at uh, middle school age, I guess, made a more uh, indelible impression on my ego than, than whatever That's the name fair. of the, the Doom. I'm going to look up the, the Doom His name's time. Flynn Taggart. Is it? No! Yeah. Yeah, His that name sounds is right. Flynn Taggart. That sounds right. Is one of the books is called Knee Deep in the Dead, right? <laughs> um, hold on. Yes, that's the first one. What? Um, oh mm, let me. Are they all? They can't all be named after the difficult because Knee Deep in the Dead is one of the difficulty levels that you can choose in Doom. I don't think the others are based on. Okay, give me one of the other ones. Hit me. Um, I don't. It's it's oh Doom. I I don't know. Hold they on. Don't have the other ones. <laughs> No, I'm Were sorry. I'm sorry. Were you just gonna make something up right there? Doom tie-in novels. <laughs> yes. it yeah, sounds well, like uh, maybe you're about to make something up. Like, yeah. No. Okay. Doom. No, no, no. Uh, Hel- okay. Oh, what? Hell on Earth, <laughs> Infernal Sky, and Endgame. Gotcha. I was looking at the reboot. That was I got caught oh, up because okay. the the novels were rebooted, <laughs> and the first reboot novel is Worlds on Fire. No, so I, I didn't. Was, I didn't read those. Those uh, Worlds on Fire. When was? When did that happen? After oh. Doom Three. Oh, apparently. Doom Three. Okay, no, t- oh. two thousand eight. I was far too sophisticated to be reading <laughs> Doom Tie-in novels. Mm-hmm. Weird. I had, moved, I had moved on to obsessively reading message board threads that were uh, photoshopping <laughs> excerpts from Lost episodes. I was far too sophisticated for <laughs> Worlds on Fire. 
isn't <laughs> one of the Hellraiser movies also named Endgame? Mm, it has to be. I don't think so. I'm gonna look. I don't. Or think maybe that's a Jason true. movie. No, definitely not Jason movie. Uh, Hellraiser saga. No, uh, Bloodline. Bloodline. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay. Mm. Uh, yeah, Inferno, I believe, is the one that is silent, uh, hellish. Uh, silent oh, hellish. wait, there's Hellraiser. There is. Okay, here we go. Yeah. Painbringer Hellraiser Endgame HD is oh. a fan made music video, though, using oh, Hellraiser. Good. So there's like a Hellraiser Endgame thing. It's just. You know, I, maybe not I feel official. like that's that's a good enough explanation. I feel yeah, there like we go. Fine. <laughs> uh, anyway, good I shit. Mm-hmm. I have yeah. one last question for this before we go uh, to the question bucket, and it really is: um, how much of this, like, as a, as a complete, like you know, as a genre trope? And it, I actually think it's pretty interesting that we have like fantasy, sci-fi, and horror. I, I, we're probably all kind of fans of all of it, but it seems like maybe we have one badge, you know, sort of higher up than the others, each of us, which, which is cool, and it applies to all of these. But how much of loving, you know, sort of bullshit lore and bullshit sci-fi stuff, how much of this is kind of a symptom of just living in a world of transmedia giant properties? Like, how much of this is because of that, directly because of that, do you think? Yeah, I mean, when Patrick was was talking earlier and kind of giving his his uh, spiel about uh, uh, about Assassin's Creed, I just wrote down Star Wars, right? Because this yeah, is the, yeah. it's the same problem as Star Wars, right? Like, you can find out... You can go down the rabbit hole of any given character in the Moss Eisley Cantina, right? And yep. get the full bullshit books. experience. Tales of the Cantina. <laughs> oh my god. Yep. Was, was that a line of books? I mean, they there were a series of short stories. Uh-huh. Uh basically for like Tales of This, Tales of like Tales of Jabba's Palace, Tales of the Cantina, Tales of God the Bounty Hunters, where any little scene and scenario where there was like more than one character there yeah. was a short story for their entire that sounds about right. life and backstory and all of that. And I was a big old fan. And did you know that in one of those, Boba Fett was this like anti-drug, like straight edge dude who was like, it's cool to kill people over like the drug war. It was, there's some weird politics in those. I'm just going to say that. But yes, yeah, sorry. <laughs> Beard. Yeah. Just say no. Sorry. Just say no, Boba Fett. (laughs) Just say Bobo. Django Uh, Fett in the prequels. Listen, young Boba. Say no. (laughs) Just say no, son. Just say no. Uh, Yeah, um, I'm. uh, I actually think uh, to to some extent the 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 ability to have like sort of like transmedia properties like. Like if used uh, correctly, like, like not to go back to Lost, but like Lost actually like was an early example of I think using that effectively. Like if you were a fan of Lost when it was on TV, you'll remember during the periods where the finales aired on a uh, in May and the premieres happened in September. They for a number of seasons uh, there were these events ARGs that happened uh, during the summer um, in which uh, they would both tease like sort of like what was happening in like kind of themes or character names uh, about uh, what was going to happen in the upcoming season, but also would answer like smaller questions that like weren't the bigger ones that need to be answered by the show, but would end up giving you sort of like resolution to some of the smaller things that maybe you were particularly obsessed with. And it was uh, an example of, I thought them using a transmedia sort of narrative in a way that satisfied like the kinds of people that would be interested in that sort of thing, but didn't, Mm -hmm but didn't come at a cost of alienating people who didn't participate in that. Like any of the stuff that you learned in the summer things, for what I remember, didn't necessarily undercut, like that's assu- like this is assuming that you're okay with what was told on the show. Like I have plenty of criticism of the show, but I'm saying like generally speaking, the stuff you missed in the summer stuff was really for the hardest of the hardcore um, as opposed to being something that you would have missed if you were just watching during the, the sort of the, the regular seasons. Like the one exception to that is that they – Mm. Mobisodes was the thing with Lost. Oh. Um, they aired exclusively on Verizon cell phones. Oh no! Um, like, and one of them answered like a like a big central question to parts of Lost uh, involving a certain dog. Um, and oh, no. it was bullshit that that was like an instance in which like due to a like 
corporate sponsorship, it meant certain people then had to pirate these fucking like two minute episodes that were just like little, little pieces from the Lost Universe. Get me angry. I gotta stop talking about Lost. Anyway, sorry. Where'd that Let's dog see. go? Where'd that dog go? Where'd that dog? Well, that's how they're no. gonna justify the reboot. Oh no. <laughs> The dog's name was Verizon, of course. <laughs> there, yeah, there you go. That's the one question they ever answered. What was the dog's <laughs> real name? It was not Vincent. It was Verizon. <laughs> oh, oh, I can see how you'd make that mistake. Good boy, Verizon. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Oh. oh, man. I think we should reach into the question bucket, maybe just for one. Maybe sure. One, one question here uh, today. <clears throat> and this one comes in uh, from Michael from Sweden. And Michael writes, Dearest Waypoint. During one of your recent episodes, Rob mentioned that video games are pretty good at portraying loss. I think this is in discussion about either uh, Wolfenstein or the Banner Saga. And I started to think about how often we praise elements of games for being, quote, good for a video game, end quote. What are your examples that have dealt with themes, concepts, or issues in a way that's not only good for being a video game, but actually excel to a degree that you put it up against any other type of media? For example, I think last year's Hitman game did an, ex- excuse me, an excellent job of portraying place and I don't think any World War II movie has made me feel this, as tense as some of the earlier levels in the first Call of Duty did when I was a kid. Thank you for your fantastic website and your blessed Twitter feed. Sincerely, Michael from Sweden. Mm. Uh, I'll start off with a with a sweet one. I think a nice one. Uh, and that would actually be, I think the writing in Butterfly Soup uh, is actually good enough and fun enough. And the presentation being like a visual novel... Uh, which incorporates a lot of things like text messages and instant messenger and, and, and things like that. I think it actually would stand up to kind of any piece of young adults fiction at this point. I think the characters are well drawn enough and it's actually funny enough and sort of heartfelt enough that, yeah, I would I would put it up there against anything in that genre. I think it, it really works super, super well. I'm uh, so I just finished uh, uh, Life is Strange Before the Storms for the, the oh, three episode yes. uh, prequel and uh not perfect the third episode is sort of all, all over the place um uh, in some unfortunate ways but uh sort of like the the central uh sort of uh, dynamic in before the storm is the relationship between Chloe Price and Rachel Amber which i think the the, the prequel like totally nails um and yeah. and part of what i think it nails is uh sort of the which thing is relatable Regardless of whether you look at Rachel and Chloe as like canonically, you know, like romantically involved or just like close friends, like whatever the the case may be, however you look at their relationship, like what the before this storm does really well is like plays with and lets you as the choice maker play with sort of like the fluidity of relationships when you are especially a teenager and you're both figuring out yourself and your hormones and and your how you how you uh, interact with other people and just how things change from a friendship to something uh, more intimate and like the way that life is strange lets you like like uh, express that but also back off it like in in the way it does it and the way that you get to interact with those choices and make those choices and think about those choices is only something a video game can pull off that's not to say that all the mediums aren't fully capable of like showing like interesting dynamics or relationships, but only video games allow you to participate in that sort of active choice um, as that sort of plays out. And especially as someone that like, you know, like it's been a long time since I've been a teenager and it's like interesting to then go back to that place and think about how you felt. Cause I can't, you know, I can't pretend that didn't, you know, although my, you know, my own relationships were different than, you know, the, the one that is uh, Chloe uh, and, and Rachel, like a lot of the same elements are at play and a video game allowed me to sort of explore that and, feel, and kind of like work through those emotions in a way that I just, you know, is not good for a video game. It's just something that could only happen in a video game. Yeah. Co-sign that example for sure. That is a really, really good one. Cameron, do you have any uh, specifics for these? Yeah. I mean, I think what, because I don't know... So, so Patrick, what you just said, right, is that that the ability to kind of live through the implications and choices within that game empowers that narrative, right? Mm-hmm. But I think what's important about the question is that, like, your answer leans into the video gaminess and the uniqueness of the medium. Mm-hmm. 
as as opposed to like just just blanket like the way that the story is told or the narrative beats or whatever um and i have a really hard time i mean i write a lot about i write a lot about video game narrative it's like a thing <laughs> that i'm invested in in thinking about video game uh stories and how they work i have a really hard time thinking about uh thinking about a game that is is as good as like a novel <laughs> Like there are a lot of science fiction novels in particular that I really enjoy. Um, I don't know if there are a huge number of video game stories I find scratch the same itch that I would say you you should rather play this video game than read this given novel. I think the Planescape, both original Planescape Torment and the newest one, um, whatever Torment, uh, I guess is what it's called. I think that those are unique science fiction stories that are that hold up to the rest of the genre agnostic of medium um but i have a really hard time with like interpersonal drama in video games being a thing that that i think can be evaluated that way mm-hmm. um like i i bounce off of i really enjoyed the first life is strange i've i've i played the first episode of the second season of life is strange and and bounced off of it very very hard um, huh. I, I don't think I don't think, I don't think it it'll I don't think it'll change if you like yeah <laughs> like, like basically if the first episode didn't work I don't you know there's almost nothing about the the rest of it that I think would would change your mind yeah gotcha yeah I, but, I, Cameron I think that's that's definitely fair I for me personally I think there are moments that work really well moment to moment in in terms of gameplay I I, I do have a hard time sometimes with game stories kind of working the whole time uh, the way that a really great novel or a really great movie will work but. I I do think in the moment to moment there can be those kinds of revelations in games that are that make you feel a little bit special for doing that. So Yeah. Yeah, especially and, especially in, in the example that uh Patrick gave. There there really is a really great moment uh with Chloe and Rachel Amber and it's Chloe remarking that she she thinks she smells bad and she gets really like nervous about it and it's like whether you back off, it's it's like a really great moment that is really nails that that feeling. Uh, and that just sort of, oh my god, teen uh, sort of sort of moment. So yeah, sorry, I'm I'm interrupting you. Go ahead. No, 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 no. I mean, I think that's. I I am yearning, and and you know, I play. I I make a concentrated effort to to play a lot of stuff, kind of on the periphery of of games culture or whatever that is, because I'm just not sure that. Like I love AAA games. I love big budget experiences. I'm not sure that that the. The things that I enjoy the most about video games happen necessarily in those places. So, like mm-hmm. a game like Beeswing uh, by Jack King Spooner is is amazing. Uh, it's really good. I think that is something that kind of holds up to the level of of like a contemporary novel uh, that you might read. But yeah, it's very hard for me. I liked uh, Assassin's Creed Origins. Very hard for me to say, "Hey, you should do this instead of reading like." A Samuel Delaney novel or an Ursula Le <laughs> novel or something like that, or like watching a good science fiction movie, watching well, Primer, it, right? I like, mean, even even the, the the phrase like "good for video game" like comes from a defensive posture that I think uh, is natural for anyone. You know, I'm sure all of us have have used that phrase, and it often comes from a place of like when you're trying to explain to someone that. Uh, it's why you're so invested in video games as a medium when even though if you are invested you you probably are well aware of its faults and what its strengths are and what it's still figuring out the language to express and knowing full well it may never figure out the language to express certain kinds of stories or or, or whatever the case may be um and uh but you know i mean this is you know i back to you know when austin and i wrote responses to Ian ghost like story um nice. essay about uh, you know, whether games should have stories, you know, like the angle mm-hmm. I took was that games didn't have a, uh, they don't have a choice. Like they have to sell stories because like for like a lot of people, games are their medium of choice. And so like whether or not they're, you know, to Cameron, to your point that like, would you recommend, you know, Assassin's Creed Origins over like, a, a you know, a novel that dealt with like similar themes? Um, there are people that don't, will never care to read that book. And so in some ways, what I was arguing was that it's incumbent on games to try and find the language to be able to tell those stories, not because they need to match a novel, but because for a lot of people, if they're ever going to seek out those things or find those things, it'll ultimately have to happen through games. And so, uh, like, 
I mean, I'm not sure we'll ever get past that point where it's it's good for a video game because that also is rooted in this defensive posture, you know, vis-a-vis other mediums. Um, and at some point, it's just, you know, some way you just have to judge it for what it is as opposed to, like, what it could be relative to something else because in some ways those comparisons are are always going to be faulty. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that's kind of where I am with it too, right? Like I'm I'm very materially and intellectually invested in the idea of finding things that are unique and cool and doing uh, really intriguing things within video games within all of those parameters you just you just laid out, right? Like yeah. within a realist framework, I guess. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I also like the idea of of kind of being honest about a lot of things. I I've had my like my come to Jesus with a lot of this. Uh, not not that recently, but in the last few years, as my tastes have, you know, sort of uh, maybe shifted a tiny bit. And and weirdly, the last year was a year where I got a lot of things that I also used to love. I, I you know, I'm not used to getting a lot of good 3D platformers anymore. So it was it was interesting and different in that way. But you know, sort of before that, I I was sort of having a, a come to terms with the fact that like, you know what? Sometimes I like cheesy shit. Like I just do like it and and kind of being happy with that and like making peace with that and and kind of being like, yeah, you know what? It's cool. Give, give me my teen stuff sometimes <laughs> or give me my like cheesy ass sci-fi story about, you know, the people who wake up on a ship and they don't really have any memory anymore. Like, and don't call it a guilty pleasure, right? Like I think we've fallen into yeah. that trap sometimes where it's like just because everything you uh, uh, experience is not like the high end of intellectualism right. like yeah. that doesn't like doesn't mean it can't be enjoyable like i mean i think like you know the like the fulfilling your own uh, needs desires and wants and like it, even to a medium like is to you know it is at its best when it's you know able to kind of like run that whole spectrum and not not everything has to be the thing where you're going to go turn around and write 1300 words about what was so interesting about it sometimes it just right. like fills a gap for a weekend yeah yeah. Um, 15 minutes ago, I was just explaining about wizard spaceships. So, <laughs> yes. what was that called again? Please, name Spelljammer. Spelljammer. Fuck the people a good name. It's very good. It's like a, a Dungeons and Dragons property, but like much, much bigger and weirder than the other. Things. I am just. Go- I am adding Austin Walker and just writing Spelljammers <laughs> to him because I know that will just cause that will cause him like. Anxiety, like why would Patrick of all people just tweet at me spell jammers? Mm-hmm. So that's this is very good. If mm-hmm. he's asleep right now, he just woke up. Yeah. He just bolted yeah. awake. Yeah, he, he is having like a mild heart. There's like <gasps> like he has a push notification. Like his 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 iPhone is on like do not disturb except for spell jammers. Mm-hmm. It was a take so good he had to wake up. Oh my oh. god! Oh, we can't top that. That's it. Podcast yep. over. You did it, Cameron. You you had the best line ever. I just have to tell people to, to send questions to gaming at vice.com with the subject question. I have to say shout outs to Bowen, letting us use his track Miss You off the EP Pale Machine and tell all the people to find us on Twitter at Waypoint, on Facebook at Waypoint Vice, on YouTube at Waypoint Vice, and of course all the things we do at waypoint.vice.com. Cam, where can people find you? And, and go ahead and, and plug something if you'd like as well. Uh, you can find me on Waypoint. Uh, I write a, a um, uh, weekly column every Friday called Postscript. I've been writing that for about a year now. There's, there's, so there's more than a year's worth of backlog. There's if you a were lot of good stuff. S- so there. interested, in, and I write uh, fairly frequently uh, throughout the week too. Um, go, go read that right now. Hell just, yeah! Actually, just, it'll be up uh, probably right before the podcast goes up. So uh, good, good timing on that one as well. Mm-hmm. Patrick, where can people find you? You can find me looking up the spell jammers at <laughs> Patrick Kupik on Twitter. So, or it's at, who's at spell jammers on Twitter? Oh, who are you? At spell jammer. yeah. who's, who's at spell jammers? We're finding out. Mm, wait. Okay. Uh, is it a real one? Hold on. We're looking. Somebody's We're got not... it. Spell jammers. If it's available. <gasps> the page does not exist. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Well. I think we know. Get on that. <laughs> <laughs> woke spell jammers right there you got well, it grab it jammer. grab it i've opened <laughs> woke, the door. woke jammer mm. well it's a door to a different dimension cameron so you know mm-hmm. okay you gotta open that door you gotta mm-hmm. just be brave be fearless open that door to another dimension i'm at danielle ri on twitter and i shall remind you all to be good and be good at it and uh 
Open your woke door. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.